I have to admit, I'm a little nervous this morning. This is one of those things is, is I chose to teach through First Peter. You come to chapter 3, and you're like, I don't know if I want to do this. Because <laughs> it's right, the first part of chapter 3, it's submission to husbands. And I'm like, I don't want to touch that. <laughs> so I was joking with some of you that I won't be around after service. I'll be hiding somewhere, <laughs> just in case. No, it's a pleasure, you guys. There's a lot of neat things in here. This is one of those scriptures as I was studying through it to challenge me again on what I am as a husband. And uh, I'm excited to share with you guys and what God is talking about here. We're going to go, we haven't finished up chapter 2 yet, so we're going to go through that. It's all the same context, and uh, the main context for today is going to be talking about submission. But before I go into that, I want to go back and show you guys, to keep in context of what we've been talking about, is that God challenged us in the very first chapter to be holy as he's holy. Remember that? That he is set apart. And so he wants to bring us over that same place and be set apart with him. And that's where all the stems from. That's why we have, if you have seen the emblem, it's the first Peter, you know, a new perspective or a different perspective. And what it is is because the world is just teaching this perspective that's not godly at all. And God's calling us outside of that. He's calling us to be set apart. And so part of that is what does submission look like? And you guys all know that submission is it's, it's becoming a bad word, and it's also being deformed into some other nasty thing that I'll talk about in a little bit. But it, it's so sick with the world's perverted even that word to mean, and it no longer has what God intended it to be. And so I want to encourage you guys, as we go through the scriptures this morning, first of all, don't take it personal. It's not me. <laughs> it's a word. But what God wants to speak is, is some neat things in our lives and what we're supposed to be submitting ourselves to, and it's about him. It's for his sake. That's where our focus should be, and that's why we do it. It's so we're set apart with him. And it's hard because we're out in the world every day, and some of us spend a lot more time with the world and getting fed by the world than we do with the Word of God. And so when we come to places in Scripture like this, it's like a, it's, it's a crash. It's like, no, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> what the Bible's saying doesn't seem right because I've been doing it this way. I see everybody else doing it this way, so that's probably just old-fashioned. And I encourage you guys, that's not how it is. And even Peter goes back to it, and he he uses that when he goes back to some examples. So, no more introduction. Let's get into it. And so these next uh, verses, starting out in uh, chapter 2, verse 13, is where he starts talking about submission and what it is about. So let's go ahead and read 13 through, uh, we'll go to 17. And it says, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, Fear God, honor the King. Lord, we just want to come before you this morning, and Lord, I ask you just speak. You know that these are not opinions, these are, these are straight from you. And uh, Lord, that we would really focus in on what you want to teach us this morning, on how to deal with the government that we have today, and how to support um, you know, either the people or the position, and, and Lord, really to look at your law and to see that that's what we're first accountable to, and that's where we need to hold on to. Um, but yet honoring what you've put and you've established, Lord. And as we go into talking about the marriage too, Lord, I pray that you would just heal this morning. I pray that you'd bring some things that are needing to be brought up, things that have been buried. Lord, things that uh, families can go back home and they can talk about and they can draw close to you and come right back in front of you and just set, the, set before you. 
and listen to what you have to say, Lord, that you would repair marriages here this morning, that you would encourage marriages, that you would give those that are doing what you've asked the encouragement, that they are doing the right thing. Lord, for the broken homes that are here, Lord, I pray that you'd also just heal those. Bring that love back in there, Lord. I know you're the one that can do it, and it's, it has to be some, from the submission of the people to your word. I pray that they would do that. I pray that they would give up on the world's ways as they see where they're leading, and uh, they would just fall so in love with what you want to do and uh, know that you have the perfect plan for them, uh, Lord. And so just teach us exciting things, Lord, in your word, exciting things that we get to go through, and uh, just the things that you bring us up in and how you draw us closer to you. And Lord, we do want this to be uh, after your will and for your sake, Lord, just like what you ask us to do. And we just pray this in your name. Amen. All right. So when you get into this first part, it automatically goes right into submitting to government. And you guys have to know, at this time, Peter was not in a very good place as far as his government was, right? The Roman government. So what he's about to say through these things is not that he had this government that was super, you know, it had no problems, it was all good, supported Christians, you know, and it was like this fairy tale. Because some people, they presented it that, and the way that they deny what it says here, they don't want to follow it because they say, well, my government's a little bit different. And I think it's awesome that God had him do this because this is right when there's a government that was very harsh, that was not following after God, did not want to go after God's laws, worshipped other gods, was totally mixed up. A lot of the similarities that we even have in our own government, right? And so don't excuse it by saying this is not relevant for today. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. It's his eternal word like we read back in verse 24 of, of chapter 1, you know, as he goes and he talks about men and their glory, and it's, it's, it's such a short time in the verse 25, he says, but the word of God endures forever. That's one of those things. It's for today. And so as we go and look through it, be encouraged, guys, on how we're supposed to deal with our government and those that are put over us. You know, the reason our culture doesn't like this is they, they can't stand that, that word submission. We see a lot of that happening right now, the attacks against the government, people that don't understand, right? Either they're going after police because things have been un- unjust. You know, there has been things that, unfortunately, some guy has represented that badge in a bad way, and now it's on everybody else, and everybody else is accountable to that, all the other cops and all that. The people that are in politics, I mean, I don't trust politics. <laughs> I don't, honestly. You just see, and you know, there's this pattern that people make up, and then it's all associated, and it's all focused on that. And after a while, some can become very zealous about that and completely want to break free from all of that authority. And that's kind of what was going on at this time with the Jewish people. Because they had this Roman government, they were promised the Messiah at this time, right? The Messiah was going to come and deliver them, but they thought that was delivering them from this government. And so it'd be very, very easy for Peter to go against the Roman government at this time. It was set up, it was ripe to set this up, to have him go against it. He could have led the forces against it. And you guys even know there was this place, I don't know if you guys have studied up at all, but there's a place called Masada that was outside. It's, it's right there by the Dead Sea. You may have even seen some of the stuff from when Sean took pictures of it. But that's like the last stand for some of the Jewish zealots when they were going against the Roman government. So there's already a group of them that were going against some Zionists, and they were already going and, and saying, we're not going to have anything to do with you. We're not paying taxes. We're not, you guys are not our government. Any Gentile is not going to rule over us. God's our king. God's going to rule over us. So they rebelled against everything against the Roman government. Peter could have had one of those places that he could have said, yes, this is what you do. If you're in Christ, you rebel against this. If you're in Christ, you do not listen to what they have to say because God's law is superior. And there are instances, yes, that our government is absolutely wrong in what they tell us is right. Because we go back to the word of God and we see that. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But 
being careful that we watch Peter, he still says, honor them, right? It was a bad government at that time. And so he's encouraging the Jewish people, do not go off and do that crazy thing like what the, I mean, it hadn't happened yet, but they later on in Masada, they got siege against them from the Romans. You can actually go back there and you can see this ramp that they built up against the, the wall because it's out on this mesa. It's a hard place to get to this fortress. And it ended up that everybody killed themselves on the inside before the Romans came to them. It was a sad ending to their lives and this, this, what they'd held on to. But Peter's like, don't do that. And the reason for it is he goes right there and he says in verse 13, he says, you know what, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. And I want to make sure you guys are clear on that word ordinance. It's not saying every law of man, okay? Don't take it as that. What it's talking about is every institution, okay? And that's a big difference. That's a very big difference. So submit yourselves to every, you can say institution, and maybe even your Bible says that there, of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king is supreme or to the governors as to those who are sent from him by, for a punishment of evildoers and for the praises of those who do good. So he wants to show that God has put the government, put, put these institutions in their place so that they can deal with the evil people and then they can also give what the good people deserve, right? And that happens a lot of times, but we're seeing it less and less. As we watch our world, it starts turning more and more to where evil you know, is good and good is evil. And even our government is taking place. You guys know, and I don't want to get into politics up here, but there's certain issues that are out there that are absolutely contrary to the word of God. Abortion's a huge one. You know, you can't go there. That's one of those things that we look at, and it's sad that they've legalized it, and now it's even where they're pushing people out that want to give free speech against it. They're now protecting that and saying you can't do that there. That's wrong. That's, that's taken away from what the rights are. So you look at these things that are going on here and what these guys are talking about, and then what the whole thing is, is it's not for the sake that Christianity succeed. That's not what Peter says here, right? When he says, I want you guys to submit so that this can keep going on, I want you to do this, he says it's because of the Lord's sake, isn't it? And that's where all this stems from. Everything we're going to talk about today goes off of that, that the reason that we submit to government, the reason we submit to each other, the reason that wives submit to husbands, and husbands love their wives because it's for the sake of the Lord. That's the reason for it. And when that focus is there, then what we can do is we actually end up submitting in such a way that it's not about us and not about us getting our, our rights violated. And as Christians, we can submit to that authority that's vested in human government, right? And so, for me, it's a hard one to see, okay, how can I honor that institution but then disobey a law? So, you know, they, they form a law, and you guys can go back and you can read uh, any kind of any place in church history, any of those books that talks about martyrs, right? Most of them were martyred because they were going against a law that the institution had set up, right? But they disobeyed that law. So as Christians, absolutely, we can honor that institution, but we can disobey those laws that are contrary to the Word of God. Contrary to the Word of God. Not contrary to what we think is right, but contrary to the Word of God. And so you look at it, and as you go through... You go to this next part, it says, Or the government, and as to those who are sent from him, and punish the evildoers and the praise of those who are good. For this is the will of God, that by doing so you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, yet not losing, using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. And so I, for me, the best example we can get, and trying to make up an example of here's a person, Daniel. If you guys haven't read through Daniel, Daniel has three major stories in there that talk about this, about honoring a king, but not following the law that he set up. And there's three major stories, and I know you guys know these stories because they're awesome and they're powerful stories, but exactly what Peter just said here is in those stories. 
For this is the will of God, by doing good that you may put them to silence, those, those foolish men that are trying to bring them down. You guys know, okay, so when Daniel and, and his, his three friends, they get taken away, right? They're in, they're in captivity. Well, they get set up, they get blessed, they get to be in these positions of power over these different places. And it ends up that they end up, the very first thing they have to come up against is these, this law, there, these rules that the king wants them to eat, this meat, right? This meat that was sacrificed to the idols there. And you guys know that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said no to it. But the way that they did it, you guys, this is a great thing. And I'm not going to read through it because we, we don't have enough time. We're going through a lot this morning. But read through this again, this account. Because what ends up happening is they don't just go and all of a sudden burst the doors open or kick them open and say, Listen, king, <laughs> my God's powerful. We're not doing this today, all right? But they were very, you know what? We're going to do it this way. And the chief of the eunuch says, Guys, don't do that. Eat the meat, please. Because if your guys' face look worse than these other guys your same age... What do you think is going to happen to me? I'm going to get the blame. And so he was honoring that position. They were honoring that position, and they knew what the king had said, but they're going to go against it because they believe it's absolutely wrong because they don't want to eat the meat that's offered to these other idols, right? It's contrary to what God had asked them to do. So absolutely they're going to stand against it, but they still honor this guy. And what ends up happening is that this guy, they said, here, 10 days, okay? Give us 10 days just to eat vegetables, and we'll show you what's going to happen there. And see how they went in there, and they were just really nice, and they, they, they wanted to preserve this guy's position and his head, right? And so they did this with him, and after, you guys know the story. After 10 days, they're healthier than the others. So it was like, okay, good. It's all good. So they don't have to follow that. Now that was a minor one, but the next one that they come across is that they have to bow down before this idol, right? With Nebuchadnezzar. He gets a big head and says, hey, go build this statue. I want you to fall down before me. This is what the law is. So anytime you guys hear this music, you better be on your face before that, that statue. There's the law given. How do you give honor to that position, to Nebuchadnezzar? I mean, here's a guy that took you out of your own country, too. You say, well, they have every right to go and tell him what they think because God's going to save them. Well, what they ended up doing is they did stand for the truth. They did stand for what was right. It wasn't that they kind of just, oh, we don't really want to do that. They were, they were very strong in how they went up and said, no, we're not going to do this. And he says, well, what God do you think is going to preserve you from my hand? And they said, you know what? If we have to do it, God's going to preserve us, and if not, you're going to know him. You know, they just they were in that position, like, our, our, hand, our lives are in his hand. They completely honored the king, but they disobeyed his law. There wasn't a big thing that they went in there and, and threw down and said, look, at, we're Jews, and we're a better race than all you guys here, <laughs> and this is how it's all going to be. And they didn't make it about themselves because they remembered that it was for the Lord's sake, right? This was about him. This is about him getting the glory, and so you guys know that story, too. They get thrown in there. He's, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar's just ticked off. He's like, fine, okay, we're going to make sure you guys are crispy because we're going to turn this thing way up. You, you know, they throw him in there. All of a sudden, there's another guy in there. It's, all this crazy stuff happens, and then they don't see him burn up. So he says, hey, guys, come out of there. They come out. They don't even smell like smoke, right? You guys know what happened right after that? Because they were focused on it was the Lord's sake, you know what happened after that? Nebuchadnezzar gave glory to God. And then he made another decree, because he liked to do that. And he said, anybody that goes against these guys, God, they're going to be cut to pieces with a sword. <laughs> Big change there, right? They put their lives in his hands, and they were able to disobey that law that was made, but honor that institution, honor the king while they're there. And then the last story you can find in Daniel is, of course, Daniel the lion's den, right? Another powerful story with the next king that came in. 
You know, he starts, he gets a big head because these guys feed him and say, hey, you know what, there shouldn't be any prayer. This should be all focused on you, and let's go that route. Well, they find Daniel praying, of course. He gets thrown in the lion's den. But the whole thing right there, the king didn't even want to do that, first of all, because he loved Daniel. Daniel's a great guy. He was doing awesome things, and God was blessing the kingdom because of Daniel. And now he got trapped in this, and the king's like, oh, great, what have I done? <laughs> but it's because Daniel, the focus in his life was all about that. Now, he disobeyed what the king had said, and the king was a friend. But he knew what God has asked him to do, and so he's continued to pray every day. Those are perfect examples of what Peter's going through here and encouraging us. Now that you guys know the stories, look what it says. You know, submit to those institutions, those governors, as to those that are sent from, by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And they did that, didn't they? I mean, even the guys that, threw, that convinced the king Darius to make that new law to get thrown in the lion's den, you guys remember the story, what he did to those elders after that? They fed the lions with themselves <laughs> right after that. It put them into shame, right? And then it goes on in verse 16, as free yet not using liberty as a cloak or a vice, but bond servants of, of God. With us being free, as he touches on that and he talks about us being free, that was the biggest thing. Is Another part of this submission is because these Christians are coming into this new life of freedom in Jesus Christ, Okay? They're free in Jesus Christ, just like we are. So now how do you go and you talk about government? Because now we should be free from every institution of man because now we're in Jesus Christ. He's the ultimate ruler and Lord of our lives. But Peter's like, whoa, hold your horses. Settle down here. They still have a purpose. They still have a purpose. And for the Lord's sake, I want you to obey this. Then the next one they go into is masters, servants and masters. Well, servants, guess what? When they came to the Lord, they felt, hey, I'm free in Jesus Christ. I'm out from underneath this guy. He's no longer my master, so I'm out of here. And we're going to read in just a little bit on how he needed to settle them down and be like, wait, wait, just a second. This is what it looks like to be a servant and a master as you're free in Jesus Christ. And then it goes on with the women because you guys know at that time, like if there was an adultery, if the woman was caught, she was just killed by the husband. This isn't just the Jew. This was within the Roman society as well. Now, if the guy was caught in adultery, nothing happened. He was ready. He's, he could go free. I mean, maybe get a slap on the hand. But back then, the thing with the women didn't have any power at all. It was like almost as if they were looked at as property by some. And so here they come into Jesus Christ. Now they have this ultimate freedom. And now it's like, you no longer rule over me, husband. I'm out. <laughs> you know, and, and now there's a whole feminism, feminism movement that went on then about we're completely, we're running from all this stuff. And so Peter's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's still an order that needs to be here. There's still an order that needs to take place here. And then he calls the husbands to be what he's called them to be. And we'll get into that. But that's where he's going. That's why this whole freedom, and he hits this real quick. He says, as free yet, guys, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice or a cloak for wickedness. Don't use that freedom as, okay, now I can do this. Now I'm free to do this. Now I'm, because what happens is you get trapped up in, in different situations. So now I'm free to act this way with this people. My boss is treating me a wrong way. I'm free to stand up for myself because I'm in Jesus Christ, and he's not going to treat me that way. <laughs> and that's what ends up happening is this freedom and now this wickedness. So now you start talking about the boss with other people, start bringing them down, and decide, you know what, I'm really going to make his life miserable, and then you end up entering into what it's talking about here, this wickedness. Don't use that freedom that drives you into that. And he says, but you guys remember, you're free in Jesus Christ, but you're a bondservant to him, aren't you? You're a bondservant to Jesus Christ. A bondservant to Jesus Christ means that, you know what? He's your master. 
So how he wants things done, that's how we do them. We absolutely have freedom in Jesus Christ. Freedom from our sin, right? No longer slaves, like what it talks about. And now we get to be slaves to Jesus Christ, which is a great thing because he has the absolute perfect way for us to live and to get through this life in a beautiful way. And so we're not free. I think another great example, you guys want to look back in the Old Testament, is with Nehemiah. You guys remember, Nehemiah got into a position where he was definitely, he was one of the higher people. He had a great position where he was at, and the king loved him. And he says, hey, why don't you stay here? But Nehemiah decided to leave that, to give that up. He had all this freedom that he was given, right? He could have lived out the rest of his days there in in Babylon and been perfectly fine. But instead, he knew he was a bondservant to his father, and he says, I'm going back with these guys. And so what ended up happening, he did not use his freedom for himself, but he used it for God's glory. And he goes back and he builds the walls, right? He didn't use his freedom as a weapon, did he? Because he could have done that too. He could have stirred some stuff up. He used it to go back and build. And so where is the focus? The focus has got to be on what does God want me to do in this situation as I go through this time, as I'm dealing with this government and what they're wanting me to do, how do I deal with this, Lord, for your sake? Show me what I'm supposed to be doing here. And being careful that we honor all people, right? Honor all people. Love the brotherhood, which is a hard one. Fear God and honor the king. That one's one of those ones that as far as me and my household will serve tacos. You guys seen that one? <laughs> Sorry, I just saw that one on Craigslist. <laughs> you guys can buy a sign that says guacamole 24-7 is the reference. But no, it's, I think it's another sign. Sorry. <laughs> just popped in my head. Getting off. I'm making sure you guys are awake. Verse 17, though, one of those one signs you can put up in your house. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. And then it moves on. And what we get into now is what he's going to talk about is the submission to masters. So let's go ahead and read 18 through 25. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to you, or for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us as an example that you should follow His steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceitful deceit found in His mouth. Verse twenty-three. Who, when He was reviled, reviled did not revile in, re, in return, and He suffered. He did not threaten, but committed Himself to Him who judges righteously who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live forever, or live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So he goes right in. Now the thing is, today, for us, we don't have anything like this that we can go back to. This isn't something that really applies straight to our lives as far as slaves and masters because as we see it here in the New Testament, it doesn't really exist anymore in our country. It does around the world still. I don't know if you guys know, if you go and do your research, there's still a lot of slavery that's happened. Most of Dubai was built through slavery. Now it's a different type. It's where they kind of get them into where now they have to buy from their store. They have to rent the property from them. So you get a worker, you're going to go build a skyscraper there. They'll give you a house and everything, but then it's all your money that you make goes back into that. And guess who owns the house? Guess who owns the stores? 
the people that own the skyscraper. <laughs> so it's this whole thing that they get sucked into. But there's a lot of that going out there. Um, you guys can check it out. Be praying for our, our brothers and sisters that are in those places. It's tough. But what we have here, and I think this, we can still look at these scriptures, of course, and we can see that there's, there's so many things that go right across for us as far as how we deal with our employees or how we deal with those that are over us, our bosses, right? And this is a hard one because especially when you're in there with somebody else that wants to talk about the boss and how wrong it was what they did to you, you can start having some fun. You can go back on all the stories of what they've done to you. And what Paul's going to go through, or Peter, sorry, he's going to go through and he's going to talk about here is just how do we deal with that. And especially as we go through that part, there's one that's going to hit us really hard because it's not just at all in what he's calling us to do and the action he's asking us to do. And so when you go in there and you look at it, it says, first he says, be submissive to your masters with all fear, with all respect is basically what it's saying. Respect them, not only to the good one and the gentle one, but also to the harsh one. So just because your boss is nice does not mean that you're only nice to him when he's nice. <laughs> but even to the ones that are harsh and can't stand us, we need to be sure that we're being Christ-like for his sake, right? When I was 19, I was an electrician over in Durango. And I had this guy. He hated me. Because I wouldn't swear, and I wouldn't look at other stuff that he wanted to look at. And because of that, it made him really uncomfortable. And so this guy, his sole purpose for me was to try to get me to cuss on the job. So he made my life miserable. He would make me go out in the snow and grab as much pipe as I could, freezing out there, my feet are all wet, and come back in and tell me to take it back out because I was an idiot because I brought too much. <laughs> I had to run conduit, and you guys can see some of it up there. It's the CMT, and, and you do runs of it. And he'd tell me to go from one place, and you have to go through all this stuff, and it's like all day you're spending on this. And he comes over and says, you idiot, what were you thinking? Why did you go this way? He'd say a bunch of other choice words to me. You're supposed to go this way and that way. You're the dumbest kid I've ever had work, and blah, blah, blah. And one day, I caught him going around the corner with the other journeymen and start laughing about what they just did to me. And I'm glad I saw that, because it was getting near the end where I was about to let him have it. <laughs> it was on. <laughs> I was 19, and I could take this guy out for sure. My dad is a lot bigger, and I wrestled my dad growing up, so he's going down. <laughs> and there's all this other stuff. The guy couldn't read blueprints. He was Ill- illiterate. I mean, there's all this stuff that I just wanted to bring up and just shove in his face and say, you're disgusting to me. You can't even read. What are you the foreman on this job? You're looking at these nasty things, totally robbing your wife of what she deserves because you're a sicko. And you're trying to get me to do the same thing, shoving these magazines in my face, trying to get me to look. It was disgusting. I don't know why. At 19, I was definitely not thinking of these verses at all. <laughs> Fortunately, though, I love Jesus at the time, and I didn't know what I was doing, but I, he was able to keep my mouth shut through that time. I saw that guy two years later on. Run into him in the mall, and I said, hey, Eddie, how's it going? He's oh, it's good, and he's all shy around me, and I was like, I got to know something, man. You fired so many people off that job, and I felt like you could not stand me. You hated me. You tried everything you could do to get me to cuss and stuff. Why didn't you fire me after, two, you know, after a year working with you? He goes, because he goes, I want to let you know that we were just trying to get you to do the things say that you wouldn't do. So we're trying to get you to look at pornography. We're trying to get you to look, you know, cuss. We're trying to get you to go blow up on us. We just wanted to see if we could get you to do that. But you wouldn't do it. And you're one of the hardest workers we had, and you'd still do everything I asked you to, no matter how many times I treated you like a fool, I called you these names, you still were jumping in there to do it. And it was one of those testimonies of just being able to say, well, it's because of Jesus Christ. That's, that's all I can run back to, because you, you don't even know that things are going through my head. <laughs> Fortunately, they did not come out, but... 
one of those times where, guys, yeah, we might be treated, and you're really going to know who you are in Jesus Christ. You're really going to know who you are in Jesus Christ when you go through in just times and how your reaction is. And I say that because Jesus probably went through the most unjust time any human has ever been through. And how did he act? He was given the opportunity to let them have it. There's one point that we're reminded in the scriptures that he could have brought down all the angels from heaven to defend himself. That's powerful, isn't it? That's one of those things that needs to really sink in with us and how we're dealing with those people around us that, you know what, we might be treated in the wrongful way. And they, the worst is when it happens with the other believers, right? Because they should know better. They shouldn't be treating me that way. But you really get to see, if you want to claim, yes, I am in Jesus Christ. I love him. He's the ruler of my life. Watch your reaction as you go through something that is not just. You get called out for something you had no part in, and you're getting all the blame for it. What's going to happen during that time? And that's why he goes into this and he's encouraging these servants because you can imagine how many times these servants were treated wrong and they had no say. And he tells them, for what credit is to you if you, when you're beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? Okay, guys, if you mess up at work and you get in trouble and you're like, yeah, I'm such a Christian because I didn't even say anything to them. Well, I hope you wouldn't say anything. You did something wrong. <laughs> like, you shouldn't be in trouble for that. But then the next part, he says, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Even some of you guys that have shared stories with me on that you saw that you faulted on some kind of a money deal, and you could easily cover it up. You know, maybe a teller or something like that. You're going to short on your jaw at the end of the day, and so you could go easily take it out of somebody else's or kind of bib it and make it look like it's there but you chose to do the right thing. You're going to get in trouble in the end, but you're taking the right path. Or somebody else blames you. But what he's talking about is this is one of those times that you did everything right, and you're still getting in trouble for it. Verse 21, for to this you were called. Whoa. You guys know you're called? Look at this. For this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And so if you guys don't know how Jesus reacted in his unjust time, go back and look at it. We have four different point of views, the Gospels, showing us how he dealt with it. And he was silent. He didn't go in there saying, no, this is unjust. You know what he did? He obeyed the Father. The Father asked him to go through this situation. He obeyed him. He kept his mouth quiet. And so it's asking us to do this. We're called to that same kind of life. And you know why? It's because God's going to deal with it. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? God is going to take care of it. Don't you guys worry. God is absolutely a just God. It will be taken care of. Just maybe not in the way or the time that you're wanting it. And you might not even be unseen when it happens. To gloat and be happy about that person and their suffering after they've taken you through it. (laughs) Right? Hopefully what the Lord does, he changes your heart, has you pray for that person, and then when you see them fall, you're brokenhearted over their fall. Just thinking back on stuff that happened with us, we just recently found out that one of the last people that was down in Costa Rica that had us leave is gone now. And it, it's, it's one of those things that I looked forward to the day of that. <laughs> I was excited to see them fall because they hurt me and my family so bad. And then seeing that happen, it broke my heart because of what it's done down there now and because of what they're having to go through. Losing their family 
because of their own decisions, it's all their own thing, it's all stuff that I called out and said would happen, and it breaks my heart to see what used to be my enemy falling again. And now the ministry down there, it's a sad thing that's gone on. I don't want to get too much into it because it's killing me. We just recently found that out. And it's one of those things that I praise God that he's brought me to a place to where I can be broken hearted over my brother and him falling after they've done such a wrong thing to us and hurt us so bad. It's a good place to be when he asks us to do it for his sake. And then you look at what he did for us, you know, we're the ones that wronged him. We're the ones that wronged him, and he steps up, and he doesn't say anything, and he completely takes what we should have had. What an awesome thing. If you guys don't know about that, if you guys don't, haven't experienced that in your life yet, on what Jesus Christ has done for you, that he stepped in for you guys, that you've wronged him so badly, you've wronged the Father, and Jesus says, you know what, I'm coming in there for you. I love you so much. If you guys don't know about that story, please ask us. We want to talk to you guys about it afterwards. I want to share Jesus and his love and what he's done for you. That you can accept him into your life. That you can have him take charge because it's a wonderful life to live with Jesus absolutely in control, right? Amen? You guys know that and living that life out. It's so good. It's so good. And so as we move on, it says, you know what, follow Jesus Christ as an example. And then it hits 22, it says, Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Now, it's not telling us in this verse that we need to follow after Jesus Christ as an example so we reach salvation. It's not saying that there, you know, as in talking about him not committing sin. It's not saying you guys need to be sinless and make yourselves not, you know, have no sin like Jesus did it. Because what it is, is Jesus has been applied to us as our Savior. And after being our Savior, now he gets to be our example of what we follow. Because it's only through his power that we can even follow him, right? It's only through his power we can do that. It's not saying you guys have to have a sinful life like Jesus did, and you need to make sure you get your salvation. No, it comes through him first, and we follow him as an example. 23, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And that's where that vengeance comes in. God is going to take care of it. Jesus knew that who himself bore sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Guys, return to Jesus Christ. Return to him. He's your overseer. He's the one that wants to take care of you. He wants the one, he's the one that wants to guard you guys. And as we go into this next section, you guys remember that that's what he wants to do with you. So when he calls you wives to submit to your husbands, it's a thing to be cherished. It's not something to try to figure it out and see what this world has to offer, to run off and say, that isn't true. I can't do that in this society. It's not for this culture. It's not for this time. Whatever excuses, this is what he's asking you to do because... He absolutely wants to oversee, and he wants to guide you, and he has the perfect way for you to live. So he calls to submission. And it's very contrary to the world, isn't it? It's so contrary to what the world's teaching. So let's go on to that next section there. See, we lost our own way, didn't we? And that's what happens when we start trying to do our things ourselves and we try to go out and do things so that we can please ourselves or, or what we think is right and we escape from God and he calls us back. And what he calls us back to is this life. And it says, wives, likewise, 
likewise, is going back to what he talked about Jesus, okay? That, that context, verses 21 through 25. So wives, likewise, like Jesus Christ, be submissive to your own husbands. That even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, and putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be hidden, the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and not are afraid, not afraid with any terror. Okay. Now, this isn't just here in First Peter. We also know in First Timothy it talks about it. In Titus it talks about it a little bit. And uh, also in Ephesians uh, chapter 5 or 6, I can't remember right now. It talks about this. So this is not just something that's been revealed to Peter. Peter had a one-way thing because he, we know that Peter was married. You guys know that, right? Peter was married. There's actually, you guys know the only sin that Jesus committed in the Bible? I know you guys are thinking heresy right now. It's when he, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. That's a bad one. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry, mother-in-law. I'm probably going to die afterwards. <laughs> That's why I said I'm not going to be around after service. <laughs> Anyways, Jesus didn't commit any sins. We know that Peter was, uh, had a wife because of the mother-in-law that was talked about early in the Gospels. But... This guy knows what's going on, and, and what he does, he encourages what needs to happen in between the wife and the husband. First, he deals with the wives, and so he says to them, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. And so, as it goes back, and, and you guys know what the world's teaching right now, I mean, as I even looked up uh, submissive, in the, in the, just to get a definition off of it, I started scrolling down on the Google searches. It's disgusting. It's disgusting where they've taken that word submissive to. All it is is a sexual thing now. It's so gross. On just even the titles, I was like, this is the world. They've completely taken something that God treasures so much and, and just, it's gross. So that's why the world, they have no understanding of what it is to be submissive. They don't even, it's not even clear to them. We know from what it's talking about in the scriptures, it is, it's talking about a hierarchy. It's not talking about a lesser human being. It's not talking about anything. It's actually, it's going back to a military term and talking about that there's this hierarchy that needs to be there. So you go into the military, it doesn't mean you're a lesser person than the person that's over you, right? It just means that they have that position that they hold. Either they've gotten it after time or they did some schooling to get in there right away on that. And now they're your superior. Now they're the ones that have this responsibility to lead, and that's what he's asking right here. He's saying be submissive to the husbands because we know over in Ephesians, it says that the husband is the head of the household, right? Is the head of the wife. That's just the position that God's given the man. And the world wants to take that. The enemy wants to take that and shove it down a drain and forget all about that. And say, no, <laughs> that's not the way. They're completely equal parties. There's not a difference between the two of them. And we're even seeing, you know, with all the other gender stuff going on, that it's completely being blown out of the water, where there's nothing even there, so you can't even claim to either one. But it's saying that this doesn't exist anymore, and anytime you say submissive thing means that you're saying that a wife is stupid, you're saying a wife can't do a certain thing, they're a lesser human being, and that's how the world interprets this. And that's not at all what the Scripture's talking about here. 
Not one bit. Because then if we had to look at it that way, we'd also have to say that about Jesus Christ. We'd have to say he was the lesser being. He was the one that was lower. He was the one that didn't fit right. Because, right, his hierarchy, God the Father, was over him. Isn't that true? And he even says that. He refers back to that. and says that. So there's this hierarchy. It's a good thing. It's supposed to be there. That's how he's designed it. And so he goes on and he says, especially with women, and this is a really hard one, those of you that may have husbands that don't know Jesus Christ are just not obeying the word of God. That's a hard situation to be put in. Especially with the women back in this time, because now they've come to Jesus Christ, they're free in Jesus Christ, my husband doesn't believe, it, doesn't understand this stuff, am I free to go? And Peter encourages them, no, this is what you need to do. And the wife's also, well, hey, I could tell him all this stuff because I'm learning a ton of stuff at church. Like the pastor, he just preached on something today. I wish my husband was sitting there next to me, but you know what? I'm going to relay everything back to him on what was said. Because <laughs> I'm sure the Holy Spirit wants to talk to him through me right now. <laughs> right? A lot of women are putting themselves in that position of being the Holy Spirit to their husbands and saying, you know what? I know my husband needs to hear this, and I'm going to let him have it. I know what the Scriptures say. I know what God was said here, so I'm going to let him have it. What is the Scripture saying here, though? It says that even if some don't obey the word, that's talking about the word of God, and they without a word, not talking about the word of God, they without a word, saying that the wife needs to be quiet. Don't talk about it. Maybe one by the conduct. So what it's saying is that guys, the husband doesn't need to be preached at by the wife, but needs to have conduct. This life lived out, which is a hard one, especially because you... You guys have a lot of great things to tell us as men. Believe me. <laughs> I've been called out several times by my wife on things that I needed to learn over. But one of the biggest things that changed our marriage and our walk was how she conducted herself. Because the way that I thought coming into a marriage was, I'm the man, here's how it's going to be. Being that young 21-year-old, I knew everything about marriage because <laughs> I'd studied it. <laughs> and this is the way that it's going to be. And it was really hard. A lot of, lot of budding heads. A lot of nights that I, my wife was crying on her pillow at night. And I didn't care, because I got my way. <laughs> it was a sad time. It really was. And just understanding each other, trying to bring these two families together, right? It's a hard thing, marriage. You've grown up this certain way, she's grown up this way, and now you try to bring that together as one. And it's like, no, my family used to do it this way, that's the way we're doing it, because we're a lot better than you guys. And so... <laughs> And she's like, what? <laughs> I knew your family. They were jerks. <laughs> and it's like, there's this, this bashing. Like, what's going to happen here? And you, and you want it. You want that. You, you go out there looking. You're like, no, I want the marriage to be like what I've heard these people that have 50 years in their marriage. I want it to be like that. Where they're saying, I love her even more than I did the first day. And it's like, later on, you're like, man, that's hard. It's really hard. And the wife's like, he's the biggest jerk I've ever known. He has this excuse that every time he gets hungry, he gets to be mean to me. <laughs> what kind of excuse is that? I mean, he can control it a little bit, you think? And yeah, it was, it was a funny deal. So as we walk through this marriage and, and trying to figure out how to do it, um, you know, me really being upset because I wasn't treating my wife the way I knew I needed to treat her, and it just kept going back and forth until my wife came across something um, that was teaching exactly this. And all of a sudden, her conduct changed. It wasn't on anymore. I mean, our battles... It was gone all of a sudden. And then I felt horrible because <laughs> of how she started treating me and her conduct. It all of a sudden switched up my mind and I started being like, man, it really started exposing how mean I was to her. 
started exposing the things that I was saying to her, the way that I was treating her. And all those other times that she was ready to tell me about that, because she felt it, she knew what I was doing, and she'd sit there and tell me how big of a jerk I was. You know what happened to me when I'd hear that? I'd go and focus on how big of a jerk she was to me. (laughs) And you know how it goes, guys, back and forth. When you're there to defend yourself and you're there to stand for your own kingdom against one another. But what he did is he changed my wife and he brought her to this place, this condo. This is after, what, three, four years of us being married. And it was like that. Flipped a switch. It's awesome. Because all of a sudden I knew and God was, he was bringing it right to my face on what I was like. And all of a sudden I just fell in love with her. And it was like, I don't want to treat you this way anymore. And it was still hard. We still had some great fights, you know, going back and forth. But it got less and less, and as each time she submitted to what the Lord had asked her to do, and how she treated me, and how she wasn't preaching to me all the time about what I needed to be like as a man, because I already knew that stuff. And you guys in here, you guys know, you guys have been part of the church, you guys know what it is to be a loving husband. We do. We know what the scriptures say. But when, that, when our wife says that to us, it just like, ooh, I don't know, what, our flesh gets pretty ugly. It's like, you can't tell me that. <laughs> I already don't want to listen to God. You think I want to listen to you? <laughs> and it's a sad place to put ourselves in, but this is such a great place where God's calling you women how you conduct yourselves. And it says, and this is a promise to you guys, especially you women that have these husbands that don't even know Jesus, keep going in this way. Conduct yourselves like what he's talking about here. He says, be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. And it's not saying I'm scared to death of you. It's by that respect. One of the biggest things that women can give to men is respect. Just knowing that you, you, you want to honor that husband. Us guys love respect from our wives. And it's not that kowtowing, bowing down before us. It's just that they're so proud of us being men of their family. They're so proud of us of being these great fathers. We need to hear that, guys. That's a great thing for us to hear. That we're doing a great job providing for the family. That, yeah, I know you're sore at the end of the day and you're grumpy, but <laughs> thank you so much for what you've done. Even though, you know, the wife, she's had a horrible day with the kids. How dare the husband come home and drop all his stuff <laughs> and expect her to make dinner? But wow, when, when a wife does that and submits and, and completely becomes that bondservant of Jesus Christ, the changes that take place are unbelievable. Don't listen to the world, guys. They're not right. They're not right. And we'll get to the husbands just a little bit. Don't feel like I'm picking on you know, the, the women. Us guys got it coming. Then it goes on and it says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair and the wearing of the gold and the putting on the fine apparel. Now, he says merely. This isn't one of those things where it's like, hey, knock it off. You know, some, some Christian sects have even said, you know, you can't braid your hair. Uh, women need to do just plain clothes, wear a long skirt. It goes into this whole legalism part of it. And it's not saying abandon all that. He says merely. Don't merely do this. What he's calling women to is, you know what? Your husbands do want to see that. They love having a beautiful wife. That's an okay thing to do. But don't just reside in that because here's the thing. All that stuff can come off later at night, Right? all that stuff can be put in a drawer. What a man wants is he wants that beauty on the inside. And that's what Peter's asking the wife to do here. Don't merely just put the stuff on the outside, ladies. You want what's on the inside. And that's why he goes, don't let your dormant be merely outward. And then four, rather let it be hidden person of the heart with the the incorruptible beauty. See, the outside, the truth of it is we're all growing old, right? The beauty kind of fades away. That's okay. 
That's what happens. What the awesome thing is, and here's what I've heard, and this is what I know from people that have been married for 50 years, and when they say, I love him more than the day that I met him, is because that inside beauty has gotten so much more beautiful. As God has worked on that wife, as she's submitted to his ways, and she's seen what it's like to submit to her husband, and she's seen what it is like to be this wife that God's called her to, her beauty is just, you can't even explain it. It's so beautiful that where the man cannot wait to be around his wife. Not the opposite of, I can't wait to get out of the house. (laughs) She won't leave me alone. She keeps bickering at me. It's one of those places where he can't wait to be around you. And all he can do is when the other guys at work are talking about their wife or their old lady, as they say it, and all these things about them, they just sit there in either silence because they know if they were to say anything good about their wife right then and how awesome they are, the guys would be like, you liar. (laughs) You know why? Because the world does not know how to do it. The world doesn't know how to do it. And so this beauty that is incorruptible, that cannot be touched, ladies, that's what you should desire. That's what you should chase after. That's what he's calling you to. And us as men, that's what we want. Truly, that's what we want. And if you guys are not looking at it as men, and you guys are looking at other stuff you shouldn't be looking at, you better knock it off right now. Stop. As you're destroying something there between you and your wife. It's a sad thing. I was looking at statistics. It is disgusting how many men are into stuff they should not be in because it's so easy nowadays. That's another thing. If you guys need somebody to talk to, please come and see me or Chuck or one of the elders in the church. Let's talk about it, guys. Let's get it out. Let's be done with it. Moving on. For in this manner, some of the former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Here's where I'm saying that this is one of those places that so many times these scriptures will be taken and they'll say, okay, that was the culture of that time. That was how they treated women back then. That's how Peter was calling women to treat their husbands back at that time. It is not relevant for today, and especially in America. I'm sorry, but your Bible doesn't work. Those desert people didn't know what they're talking about at that time. Well, here's where it's awesome because Peter blows that out of the water because what he does is you can imagine these women may have said the same thing at that time because they're in a culture, too, that's very different from what Sarah and Abraham had, right? Very different. And they could be saying the same thing. And Jesus Christ, I don't have to go after that stuff anymore. I'm free. I'm free from all that. And he goes back 2,000 years ago to Sarah and gives her as an example and says that's absolutely relevant for today. I'll go back 2,000 years ago and say it's relevant. It's relevant then. It's for today. Guess what, guys? How many years ago was this written? About 2,000 years ago. So I'm going to tell you guys again. Okay, 2,000 years ago is relevant then. It's for today as well. That's why he did that. That's how he went back there and he says, it's good for then. It's good for today. So don't try to excuse it off any other way. Now, we get to go to the guys. And you guys notice it's shorter. It's one verse. Just saying. <laughs> And I, I've heard people say, well, the reason is is because the women is such a big change in their culture, coming to Jesus, and they're free, so they had to have a lot more verses. And, and then the guys, and what I look at it is I see, I'm a guy, I just want straight to the point, just give me the facts and we'll deal with them. Right? Like, this one's, t- let's talk about this a little bit. Let's go through it, talk about Jesus. 
You know, we'll go through it. And the guys, it's like, husbands, likewise, dwell with them in understanding. Give honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. Wives being heirs together in the grace that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, here's the funny thing, because there's only about three points that are given in, in those other first verses for the wife. There's four of them given for the men. So even though it's like a shorter section, there's actually more stuff that us guys need to be doing compared to that, if you want to do the whole comparing thing. <laughs> so we're up. And this is what God's asking us to do. These are three beautiful truths about submission. Or sorry, I'm reading the wrong notes. I had the one, two, three. There we go. So husbands, there's four commands to the truths given for the husband. First of all, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Now dwell with them. This is one of the things that he's asking us as men. We need to spend time with our wives. Okay? We need to spend time with our wives. It is on average, the study has been come out, it's on average, and this is like back in 2000, I think is the last time this was done, and I'm sure it's a lot worse now, but it said that only 37 minutes a week are given with serious talking between the husband and the wife, like actually sitting down and talking with each other, a real conversation, 37 minutes a week. And that's why it's calling us guys back, because us guys, man, we can get wrapped up into things, and I know you women too, as far as work. I know as a guy, that's why I can speak as, it's easy to get wrapped up and focused and sucked into what needs to be done. This has to be done or this is going to fail and then guess what, we're out of our house. You know, you always got to go back there. We're going to lose everything (laughs) if I don't do this. There, I just trumped you. (laughs) So you can't say anything about me not being home. What's going on here is he's asking us guys, guys, we need to dwell with our wives. We need to be there with them and not just dwelling like, hey, how's it going? I'm going to get on my tablet having that real conversation with our wives, sitting down with them, spending that time together, enjoying our time together. It's so important. And I know you guys that have been married a lot more years than I have, you guys would testify to that, wouldn't you? Times in your life where you guys weren't having that communication and it was rough. And now where you're at, where you have this great communication going on because you're spending time together because there's no other distractions and it's like, it's so rich right now. I wish I could go back 20 years and tell myself, pay attention, (laughs) spend that time with your wife. Dwell with her. And then it says, and this is the hard one, (laughs) with understanding, guys. Dwell with them with understanding. Now, I like this one. I'm glad he put it in there because the thing is with this, with understanding, is that we should know our wives' moods. We should know their feelings. We should know their needs, their fears, and their hopes. That's our responsibility, guys. We should know that stuff about our wives. And you're like, Yeah, (laughs) I don't know my wife's moods yet. Pay attention. Pay attention to what your wife's going through, how she acts, how she does different things. It's a great place to be in. It says with understanding. So as you guys, maybe something blows up, there's a lot of pressure on your wife, and she just blows up and loads on you, and you just said a few words, and you're like, you're a very conceited person, and you're like, it's all about me. Why are they so mad at me? When the whole thing isn't about you, it's a whole other situation that you should be able to read if you're spending that time, you're dwelling with them and you're there with them. You know their moods. You know what, what their fears are. Now, just get this right, guys, that you're not going to be right. Okay? That's just how it's going to go. I saw this great little quote here on, on this old plaque. It says, women's faults are many. Men have but two. Everything they say and everything they do. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I nailed it. All right. <laughs> It's hard to understand, but God gives us the grace to understand you. Please, ladies, be patient with us, but we do want to understand you. 
We do want to understand so when there is a conflict or something that comes up, we can be there for you. We can be the man that we're supposed to be there for you. And then in another one, the third one is giving honor to the wife. Giving honor to the wife. Every husband should treat his wife as a princess that he doesn't deserve, right? If you guys, I don't know if you guys know that you, you know, he refers back to Sarah in verse 6. Sarah actually means princess in the Old Testament. Yeah, go put those two together. But we should treat our wives as our princesses that we don't deserve. It's a good place to put them. Peter was not demeaning the woman by referring to her as being the weaker vessel here. He's not saying that she is mentally, morally, or spiritual lesser. What he was going back to is women being physically weaker. And I know that's even a, draw, that's a bomb to drop nowadays in this society. But it's the truth. If you guys want to look at it, that's how God designed it. It wasn't some flaw like, oh, this is a great, big, bad thing. And I know some people will be like, well, I know this woman. She could whoop up on you in MMA. I'm like, yeah, I know. Riley could definitely do it. But <laughs> I could put her up against somebody that's also been training the same thing. And you know what? Most likely the man's going to win. And that's how you can always go. That's why we don't have sports together. I know they're trying to do it a lot and starting to put them together. But that's just how God made it. It's not bad. It's not like what the world's saying. That's so wrong to say that. It's not. That's how he designed it because that's what the, the man is supposed to be there. Not so he can use it, you know, oh, come on, poor little thing. It's not that way at all. It's so that, that love relationship can be there where it's like, I want to guard you with everything that I have. I want to do everything I possibly can for you. I want to protect you in every way that you deserve. I want you to be my everything. That's where it's at. Us guys like to protect. We love to do that. That's what God's designed us. We love to be there for you and treat you as if you're a princess. That's why there's all these movies out there and talking about that and going through that, and that's why it's so pleasing to us. We, and guys, this might hit you. I, I wrote down, I said, Husbands, you should treat your wives like an expensive, beautiful, fragile car. <laughs> and I say that because some of us spend more time on our cars than we do with our wife. We're out there waxing and making sure everything's good. Oh, don't touch my car. Don't let the, the doors hit it. But yet, you know, you have this guy that says something to your wife, and you're like, well, you shouldn't have said that to him. It's like the car door's bumping, you know? No, you stand up. That's your wife. <laughs> Knock down, drag him out. Just kidding. <laughs> Just seeing if you guys are paying attention. Then the last one. You want to go ahead and come up, Justin? We'll end with this. I think this one's an interesting one. And he goes on and he says, and being heirs together, we're heirs, guys. He puts that in there that, hey, we're still, we're heirs together. There's this team that goes on. Not only that, but the future we have looked forward to, that's your brother and that's your sister. That's awesome. We get to be heirs together with Jesus Christ. And then it says the last one, that your prayers may not be hindered. And this one, this one's a hard for me because I think one of the worst things in my walk with Jesus Christ is my prayer life. It's one of the hardest things I have. It's so hard to get away. It's so hard to do that. And especially, and I don't know why it is, but ever since we've been married, it's one of the hardest things for me is to pray with my wife. And maybe you guys are in the same place. I don't know why it is. I've tried so many times to keep it consistent. But it's like my flesh is just like, no, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Come back. But every time I do, it's such a sweet place. But especially when there's conflict, when there's things that are not right, and these things that he calls us husbands to do, when that's not taking place, your prayers are going to be hindered. It's so hard to pray with your wife when she, you're upset with her, right? Or you feel like she's wronged you or something. The last thing you want to do is sit down and pray with her. Even if you don't, you know, for me, it's like it's hard even when I'm in a good mood with her and we're having a great time to sit down and pray. It's a sad place, but 
He wants to encourage us and says that your prayers may not be hindered because it's such an important thing that we're walking and talking with our Savior, right? That there shouldn't be anything that will come in there and cause us to walk away from that. So, now, just to end with this last little bit, I want to ask you guys some questions that you can take home with you as far as where your marriage is. And we'll end with this. These seven questions Wearsby comes up with in, according to what we've just talked about today. And number one is, are we partners or uh, competitors? Are we partners or competitors? Are we helping each other out? Are we helping each other become more spiritual? Are we depending on the externals or the internals? The artificial or the real? Do we understand each other better? better? Are we sensitive to each other's feelings and ideas or taking each, each other for granted? Are we seeing God answer our prayers? Are we enriched because of our marriage or robbing each other of God's blessing? And all honest answers to these questions, they can make a difference. If you guys want those questions, I can give them to you later. But just as we've gone through this and we're challenged on how we should be acting with each other, it's for his sake, guys. Don't get yourself in the way. Go back to what it's talking about. He's called us to this awesome life that we get to have. And I guarantee you guys, you follow this and go through it and study it again. Follow this. Your marriage is going to be one of the best things ever where you can go up to kids and tell them that are thinking about just living or doing whatever they want to do, not ever getting married. You can tell them, no, don't listen to the world. I'm going to show you something that is rare nowadays. A couple that absolutely loves each other and can't wait to be around each other and spend the time together. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for this morning. I pray that we can be your light and your witnesses, Lord, to this world and the things that they're lying to our kids. And Lord, even the people that are taking on to these things and they're saying, yeah, this is, this is going to give me a happier life if I do this. It's just, it's not true. And Lord, we just want to fall in love with your scriptures. I want to pray for the people that are hurting here this morning that maybe have gone through something really rough like a divorce. Lord, I pray that you would just restore them. I pray that the enemy wouldn't come into their lives and and tell them, look, there, that's what you did wrong. But, Lord, you just pour out your compassion on them and not let the enemy do that. Lord, that they would be just showing your love and um, be able to walk together and use this situation that they're going through just to grow closer to you, just to fall into your arms, Lord. Pray for the people that are struggling in their marriage, Lord, that they really take your words and heed them, that they would look at them and say, yes, this is, this is what we need to be doing. And, uh, Lord, I just pray for them that you would restore those, those marriages. And, Lord, for the marriages that are going awesome, I pray you bring people in their lives that they could minister to and that they could just show what it is to follow after you and how, much it is, how, how awesome it is just to fall in love with each other every single day. Lord, it's so good to hear from your word. And, Lord, I just pray you continue just to bless it as we go through it in these next weeks. Just bless Martin next week as he gets up here and teaches. And, uh, Lord... Help us to remember these things as we go throughout the week. And we want to bless your name, Lord, and just be about your business. And we love you, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen.